This is Oasis City Radio Music. This is Oasis City Radio Music. This is Oasis City Radio Music. Twenty-four hours a day at oasiscityradio.com. Tune in, iHeartRadio, and the Oasis City Radio app. This is Oasis City Radio music. Oasis City Radio. Are you enjoying crossing over? Are you enjoying? getting your stuff back? Are you enjoying where, where we're going as a church? I ran into somebody just uh, this past week, and they said, Pastor, we heard you. you they don't go, they're, they're a pastor at another church. And uh, I ran into them, and he said, I saw your clips on you know, social media or whatever. He said, you know, we're singing it too. Get your stuff back. Time to get. He said, we started singing it. We heard you sing it. We told, I told our team, and our team's going, get your stuff back. Time. I said, I'm going to get that copyright going real quick then, because they're a big church. They're like a lot bigger than we are. So we're getting our stuff back. If you're new here, we'll just go online and go to our last several weeks of our We Speak series, because we are in a season as a church, and this year we're going somewhere, and we're going together. We're not leaving anybody behind, and we're going together. We, we, are, we are going, crossing over into the enemy's camp and taking back, and that's out of 1 Samuel 30, and then we're crossing over into the promised land as well this year, um, in, in crossing over into promise, and that's in Deuteronomy, which I preached last week, and, and today I want <clears> to <throat> talk to you. I was in prayer wondering, okay, where do we go now that we've been preaching about crossing over and, and pursuing and pursuing and recovering all and such? Because it's not just a one-time thing. You know, sometimes this recovery thing is something that we are always learning how to do. And it's like peeling an onion. There's a layer at a time. Sometimes our recovery is we recover this layer, then you recover this layer. And, and the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4, when I talked about rejoicing last week, he says... Um, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He says, I, he says, and later on in the verse, he says, I tell you, rejoice. He said, I've been rich and I've been poor. I've been full and I've been hungry. I've been beaten. I have been in total great shape. I have been with my friends and family. I have been lost and stranded and alone. But I know that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because he rejoices in the Lord always. And he said that from prison. He said it from prison. And so recovery in our, in our life often, it, it looks like it's in seasons at times, and it looks like it's kind of one layer at a time. And, and I heard uh, Bishop Jakes uh, say something a few years ago, um, and, I, and, it really, and it really helped me get um, this message prepared today. And I want to talk to you today about five levels of recovery. Say five levels. Five levels of recovery. 
I'm going to go in the portion of Scripture today in Joshua chapter 10. If you'll go there with me um, in verse 16, if you brought your Bible today, wave it, wave it like this, wave it. Say, I love the Scripture. It's changing my life. In verse 16, go with me there. Interesting story. These five kings fled and hid themselves in the cave at Mecca. And it was told to Joshua, the five kings have been found hidden in the cave at Mecca. And Joshua said, roll large stones against the mouth of the cave and set men by it to guard them. But do not stay there yourselves. Pursue your enemies. What? Attack their rear guard. Do not let them enter their cities, for the Lord your God has given them into your hand. When Joshua and the sons of Israel had finished striking them with a great blow until they were wiped out, and the remnant that remained of them had entered into the fortified cities, then all the people returned safe to Joshua. How many people returned safe, by the way? And the camp at Mecca. Not a man moved his tongue against any of the people of Israel. Then Joshua said, open the mouth of the cave and bring those five kings out to me from the cave. And they did so and brought those five kings out to him from the cave. The king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jermuth, the king of Lachish, and the, the king of Elgin. Eglon, sorry. And when they had brought those kings out to Joshua, Joshua summoned all the men of Israel and said to the chiefs of the men of war who had gone with him, Come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. Then they came near and put their feet on the necks. And Joshua said to them, Do not be afraid or dismayed. Be strong and courageous. For thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. We've quoted that last scripture. But sometimes we quote it and we don't know the context. Be strong and courageous. Do not be fearful. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God will do this for you. What will he do? The Lord will help you put your feet on the necks of your enemies. I'm, I, I, I mean, I really think that should excite you a little bit. Because this is the same enemy that's been ransacking your life for years. And God will actually, if you're strong and courageous in him, he gives you the ability to put your feet on the neck of the enemy that's been ransacking your home, raiding your life, coming after you on all sides. <coughs> Five is the number for grace, and we see five kings put away. There were five cities attacking Joshua and his men. And they all had a king, and they all were fighting together. They were all became allies, and they were, they were fighting. And what we, what we miss here is earlier in the Scripture, the Gibeonites came. They actually tricked Israel excuse me, they tricked Joshua into saying that they, they lied about who they were because they knew the word of God. They knew that they were going to get wiped out, that Joshua's men was going to defeat them. So they came and they said, hey, uh, we're, 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 we're from a land far off. Would you, you know, we're ready to serve you. 
And Joshua says, okay, I'm going to make a covenant with you. Nobody's going to harm you. Now, the Gibeonites were the same as these other five. They could have been the sixth city. They could have been the sixth nation against Joshua, but, but, they, but, but they twisted the story. So they actually, Joshua protected them. In this manner, he's actually fighting for the Gibeonites who are going to be destroyed by Joshua. So it's this interesting story, but there's, there's five other nations coming against Joshua. And the Lord tells Joshua, pursue your enemies. Pursue your enemies. There's five levels of recovery so that, that you and I need to grasp so that we know what to expect when we pursue our enemies. When we get our stuff back. You got to know, like, like David and, and his men, when they crossed over the, the, uh, the, the river of Bezor, the, the, the creek bed there, when they crossed over into the Amalekite territory to get them back, there's a season of recovery. And so, so it didn't just happen in a flash. It didn't just happen in a moment. There was a process that needed to take place. You had to fight the Amalekites to get back everything. And same with Joshua right here. There was a process. The, the first step in this, well, it's kind of like this. Victory is not just an experience. You don't live as a victorious person just because you've, you, you fought one battle. Victory is a whole process. It's not an experience. In order for you to live a victorious Christian life, you don't just have one battle that you win. It's this whole process. And that's why as Christians we need to understand the first level is actually control. Say control. You have to learn to control it. Now, now we're not talking about a spirit of control like a, a religious spirit of control because that can harm your life. What we're talking about is when you're facing your enemy, even before you have total victory, you have to learn what to control in your life. Just take a look here in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28 says this. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Self-control is a fruit, is a fruit that you can eat from and you can participate in in the spirit. And, and we need to recognize in recovery, there's things we have to control in order to get the victory. The kings were put in a cave, but the battle wasn't against the kings. The battle was against the people. The battle was against the troops, the king's armies. Joshua had to control the kings in order to fight the armies. It's kind of like this. You are sick. Anybody ever been sick before? You've had symptoms. And so in order to get throughout your day, you've had to take medicine to control the symptoms. The medicine didn't heal you. But while you were in the process of waiting on your healing, you had to take medicine to get through your day because you still had to go to work. You still had to earn some money. Hello? You have to learn to control something in order to fight something on the other front. Yes, absolutely. Do we want immediately healed? Absolutely. But there, how many of you know that there's a time where you just have to be able to get through your day? 
So you got to control the situation to get through the real battle. They had to control the kings. Joshua says, roll away that stone. Put the kings in there. I'll deal with them later. I have to control them so that I can win the battle on the field. About a year ago when we moved into this building, we had some roof leaks. And, and, and the, the rain was, was coming. We had some storms. And then and there was water coming into this building. It, it came right behind the stage here. And there was a section over here. There was a section over there. There was a section in our children's area. And, man, we were trying to control the leak. But every time the, the roofers would come and they would patch it, the next time it would rain, it would still gush through. And we're trying to figure out what. And so finally, after the third or fourth time, they would patch it over here and it would leak over there. Then they would patch it over here and it would leak back there. And we couldn't find it. Because, because the leak that was happening over here was actually caused from a problem over here. And until they could control the problem here, this leak wouldn't stop over here. And oftentimes in your life, you have to learn what to control because you're controlling this circumstance so you can go and fight this battle. And oftentimes, it's in your own self that you have to control. And it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that you learn self-control while you're in the process of recovery. You can't go flying off the handle at the wrong time while you're in the process of recovery. The cave's the source, but the battle is on the field. And then the second level, once you have the kings in the cave and you're fighting the battle, the second level of recovery is conquest. Say conquest. See, we all need something to reach for in our life. People die early because they don't have anything more to reach for in their life. They don't have anything more to do. They retire. They get their 401k. They think uh, the, the vacation trip is going to be like life from that point on is going to be a, a world tour. And they realize they're tired of just living this life because they have nothing to reach for anymore. And there's something powerful about living for something, a conquest in your life, going after something. You, there's always something to fight for. You need to fight for your kids, fight for your grandkids. There's all, you have to have a conquest in your Christian life. You've got to have something that you're helping somebody else recover. Even if everything in your life is fine, who in your life can you help fight on their behalf for? You've got to reach for something. You know, when God gave manna to the children of Israel, he didn't drop it in their tent. They could have just woke up. In the sleeping bag, and manna would be sitting right there. They didn't have to do anything. No, it, 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 he dropped it out there. They had to actually reach for the manna. Even though he was providing victory, even though he was providing sustenance for their life, even though he was providing, um, uh, and they didn't have to work for something, they still had to have an element of reaching for something, a conquest where they were saying, I got to do something. God's always wanting you to get out of your box. Out of your circle, because recovery is about crossing over. Recovery is about going and reaching for something that was taken and getting it back in your life. You've got to have something that you're reaching for. 
I think some of us need to reach outside of our inner circles. Get some new friendships. Leave some old things behind that aren't working for you anymore. Hello? Have you ever come into a situation where, you know, there's so many different studies and opinions, you know, you become like the five people that you hang out with uh, the most. And and if you're not hanging out with people that, that, Um, you're aspiring to be like, then you'll never achieve, you know, your total greatness and such. There's a whole lot of of people studies, but you know, it's kind of right. There's something about letting go of the circle of friends and the gossip and the talk that's holding you back and reaching for something else in life. There's something, some of you have reached for and you found something even in this church that you didn't have somewhere else in your spiritual life because you, but you had to reach for it. It didn't just come to you. Even if you're watching online, you had to actually log in. You have to actually search for something that's going to provide for you. Even if it's manna, you got to reach out of your tent and get a hold of it. The third level of recovery is to confront. Say confront. Now, that's a rough word. Confrontation. Who loves confrontation? Well, it depends on who you're confronting. But but let me just say, in our culture, in our society, this word, you know, it kind of means something different than it means right here in the scripture where Joshua has to go confront the kings. Joshua had to say, Take away the stone. Bring, bring those kings out here. I need to confront them. Confronting didn't win the battle. But confronting was saying, I'm about to win this thing. And I need you to know that you're not going to beat me. But see, in our society, sometimes uh, all we hear from confrontation are angry people. And sometimes people think they have to get all, all angry and all loud in order to confront something. But, but that just shows actually that that's a weak person. If you have to get angry or loud to confront something in your life, then it's actually showing that you're, you're pretty weak emotionally. Because you should be healthy enough emotionally to go to the circumstance, the person, the situation, and say, I just need to let you know that, that I can't allow this to go on anymore in my life. I need to let you know that you can't talk that way in front of me anymore because it, 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 it puts other people down. So, but if you have to get angry to say it, it just shows that you're not emotionally healthy yourself. Confrontation is simply saying that I'm not going to allow something to go on in my life anymore. Many times you have to confront your own habits. You have to confront your own weaknesses. You have to confront the thing that you've been letting linger on and on and on in your life. You have to confront that, that king and you have to, you have to control him. You got to put him in a, you got to put him in a cave. You got to let the enemy know that you're you're standing for something so much greater that that you are about to recover everything that was taking place. David when he crossed over had to confront the Amalekites. Joshua right here. Before before the Lord told David to pursue, overtake and without fail recover all. He told Joshua, "Pursue your enemies." God is always about us being active in our walk 
with him. It's always about being active. It's never being on the defense. It's always being on the offense. Pursue, pursue, go after. Don't just wait for the devil to come knocking at your door. Create an atmosphere. What if you created an atmosphere in your home where you're prayed over your family, you prayed over your kids, and you, you weren't waiting for something bad to happen to start praying? You aren't, you aren't waiting for a bad report from the school, and then you started praying. You aren't waiting for a bad report from the neighbor or the girlfriend or the boyfriend or whatever, but you are actually protecting, being proactive with your family and going, and you are praying daily over your children, going before them. The Lord says he knows what you have need of before you even ask it. And what if you started aligning yourself by the wisdom and the power of the Holy Spirit that you knew how to pray for your children before they even knew they needed it? What if you prayed for your parents? Prayers that, that were being answered before they even knew they needed an answer. What if you were praying health and healing over your family and your loved ones before any sickness even tried to invade their bodies? Pursue. Pursue overtaken without fail. Recover all. And the best part is that we don't do this alone. We do it together. Say we. We do this together. When the Lord spoke to Joshua, it was about Joshua's army. And Joshua, when the Lord said pursue, it wasn't just Joshua to walk out there all by himself. It was his army to go together as a church. So what as a church together can we be going after before it even comes our way? When we're praying for revival and praying for, for healing and praying for lives to be restored, we're not waiting for, for brokenness to happen. We're already praying for healing so that when a broken person comes in, they walk into a prepared place already for them. What if you showed up at the restaurant for the buffet and you got in line and you got your white, your, you know, your white plate that's sitting right there and it's ready for you, you know, it's a big line of people and you got to, and, and you got... You were next in line. You've been waiting for 15 minutes. You were next in line. And at the buffet, it's all empty. The trays were empty because the chef was still preparing the food. You weren't ready for it. You'd get frustrated. You'd say, man, I just spent my time for nothing. And that's oftentimes how we are in the church because we're still preparing while the people are hungry. We're still trying to get our stuff in order while the broken people show up for a meal. So we have to be on the advantage, the advance. We have to be in front. And so when we go after things in prayer and services and in worship, we're going. The Lord says he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. The Lord already has it prepared. So when you show up to battle, it's prepared. You don't show up and you just have to wait on God to prepare it. No, he's already preparing so we have to prepare for our families. We have to prepare for our, our children's sake. We have to prepare. We have to be ready to overtake. So confrontation basically means that I won't live in denial to solutions that need to be addressed. Because we think, well, if we don't talk about it, when we wake up tomorrow, it'll be different. Nope. Nope. Well, if I just let that, you know, uh, sleeping dogs lie mentality, they're still dogs, 
and they're still there. Confrontation says, I'm not going to let this situation disturb the, my peace any longer. I'm not going to let this thing go on. I've got to address this because this thing has been taking advantage of my family and my personal life, my spiritual life far too long. And you have to look at the enemy and say, "Uh uh-uh, uh-uh. It's time for me to confront this situation because otherwise, if you don't, this time next year, you're going to be in the same boat, a year older and a year weaker. David had to confront the kings, five kings. He had to confront them and say, roll away the stone. And he had to put them into the stone. And then in front of everybody else later, after they win the battle, he opens it up. He gathers his men together and he confronts the kings again. He confronts them to put them on notice that they will not be able to win anymore. That this battle is finally over. They had been, they had been challenging Israel for too long. And the day, I mean, I'm sorry, I said David, but Joshua had to confront the kings and say, enough is enough. Enough is enough. I think sometimes part of your recovery and your healing is confronting your own story. I've been thinking about this for the last four or five days and kind of processing this in in prayer. And you know, the situation, frankly, is that we all have been guilty of misremembering a circumstance. A situation. And oftentimes we misremember something in our favor. And so if you ever have to confront the situation and you're talking to the other person and you're telling the story and they remember it kind of on their advantage and you remember it on your advantage and then the truth is kind of somewhere right in the middle, isn't it? It's kind of like this. If you've ever been in the situation, we're in the situation now because we have teenagers and they have opinions. They've always had opinions, but, you know, they're somehow louder and stronger and more confident in who they are now today. Amen. Raising leaders, right? But my, we could be in a situation, and I've been there, where my children start telling a story about me. And it's different than I remember it. Because I would tell that story a whole lot different from a different perspective. But they have a perspective because they were a third party involved. They observed me doing something. And my memory is that, you know, I was maybe taken advantage of here. Or I was, you know, somebody wronged me here. So this is how I reacted. But my kids who witnessed it have a different story of my story. And they say, no, Dad. No, Dad, you, you actually did say that. No, I, I, I would never say that. Well, I don't know if you've been, never, but Dad, you did. You said that. Maybe, maybe never from here on out, but one time you said that. Well, I, I did not, you know, well, no, she, actually she said this. Uh-uh, Mom did not say that. <laughs> I, I, I know, but, but she meant it. I don't, but I, Dad, Dad, this is, actually, Dad, no, this is what happened. 
But how many wounds, wounded situations have you walked through in your life that you might need to revisit because you misremembered it? And you misremembered it in your favor. So, therefore, that person offended you and they were wrong. But, but maybe, just maybe, you had something to do with it. What if you went back in your past and confronted some of those scenarios so that you can go into your future in total freedom and victory? What are some of the kings that you have hidden in a cave and you haven't confronted them yet? So you're waiting for the kings to die and they're just, they're waiting for you to execute them. There's all, we all have skeletons in our closet. And we think they're dead, but man, those things can talk. And they talk at the wrong time. And they show up, and you're sitting there trying to have, trying to look all pretty and look all put together, and that skeleton's rattling its bones. And you're saying, shh, before they find out. But if you would just go in and confront that thing and say, you know what? This thing's got to be dead once and for all. And even if I have to admit that I misremembered something on my behalf and I just need to own, I just need to own it and say, okay, Holy Spirit, show me what really happened in this situation. Confrontation. It just means I won't live in denial to situations that I know need to be addressed. Joshua 10, verse 18. And Joshua said, roll the large stones against the mouth of the cave and set men by it to guard them. After Joshua confronted the kings, he controlled the situation. He went on a conquest. He reached out into battle even though he wasn't sure, and the Lord said pursue, and he's up against five armies. I mean, it's one thing to be up against one army, but to be up against five armies, and then the other people fighting with you are traitors. They're the Gibeonites, and they're acting like they're on your side, but they're not. They're actually a sixth army. He's in a rough spot here. So he has to control the situation. He has to realize that he has to reach beyond himself in this conquest He has to confront the enemy. He has to confront the enemy in order for him to conquer the enemy. Say conquer. The fourth level in your recovery is conquering. Because you can confront something. And that could just lead to an argument. But conquering it is something different. Take a look at verse 24. Same chapter. When they brought those kings out to Joshua, Joshua summoned all the men of Israel and said to the chiefs of the men of war who had gone with them, come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. Then they came near and put their feet on their necks. Mm. Conquer. Conquer. Joshua did something. He had his men understand the feeling of victory. It wasn't just enough that Joshua had to understand what it felt like. There's no, there's no feeling like victory. Anybody played sports? 
Anybody like to lose? Anybody been on a losing team? You had a losing record by the end of the year. Yeah, that really sucks, doesn't it? You know, you're trying to be happy about your individual performance or your game or whatever, and, but, but somebody looks at you and says, yeah, but you were, you, you were five and eight. There's not a lot of testimony about that. And so, so Joshua had five kings. He, they're, they're in control. Then he brings them out of their, their, their captivity to confront them. And then in his confrontation, he needs his men to feel the feeling of victory. They just weren't, to, they just weren't, it wasn't good enough just for his men to say, oh, Joshua, you're a great leader. You're a great champion. Just put your neck on these five kings. He said, no, no, come over here, guys. You've been, my, you've been a part of my team for a while. I want, lay, lay these men down. I want you to put your feet on their necks. And Joshua's captains, his leaders, his men, his warriors put their feet on the neck of the enemy. There's something about feeling victory. There's something about feeling victory, something about knowing your place. After all, Jesus puts his foot on the serpent's head. It's a whole picture here of what we're like in the New Covenant, the New Testament, that we're not just battling flesh and blood here like this on this level, but we are putting our foot on the the neck of the enemy, the very thing that's coming up against us, the very spirit that's attacking you and your family. It's a level of recovery. There's something about feeling it, though. He could have just killed the kings right there. He could have laid them out. He could have just killed them right there. Sword, boom, 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 arrows. He could have put them up on the thing. You know, ju 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 He could have done all that. But no, he said there's something about feeling victory. I think when you're battling something like an illness or you're going through a circumstance, you're going through a breakup, when you're going through a tough time, there's something about somebody who's already been there and won, the testimony that keeps you hanging on. It's something about, something about somebody going through an illness and being next to somebody who has gone through that illness already and been healed, and they're the ones praying for this person. There's some time of faith exchange there where this guy said, you know what, you don't know what I've been through, but I know you know exactly what I'm going through. And it's so important that we go through and we pursue our enemies and we overtake. It's so important that we cross over so that we can enhance our testimony so that it can be helping somebody else along the way. Because they need to feel their foot on the neck of the very thing that's attacking them. The battle wasn't over. The kings weren't dead yet. It's still going on. But there was something about Joshua's men needing to feel their foot. On the neck of the thing, the very thing that was coming against them. What if you could feel your foot on the neck of the debt that's strangling you? You would have faith to know that that battle is just about over. It's not over yet. But I am a conqueror right now because my foot's on top of it. What if you're in the last stages of recovery from a sickness, an illness, a disease, and you know you need to see your foot on the neck of that thing so that you can finally be healed. Finally see victory. 
You've been going through this process. You've been going through therapy. You've been going through counseling for years and years and years. But there's a moment that you have to have your neck on the enemy to be finally saved. I can feel victory. It's just around the corner. And I'm telling you, church, that we're feeling victory. Our feet right now are on the necks of the enemy. The battle's not over yet. The battle's not over yet. But, but we're, we're conquerors today. And we, we got to celebrate that feeling. And it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. It's a good feeling to go through the playoff series. And it was tied 3-3. Three to three, But game 7 came around and you came out on top. That's a good feeling. It's even a better feeling than just sweeping the whole thing. Because it gets boring in your victory sometimes. You got to have something to reach for. You have to have something to fight for. And even if you have the perfect life and you're not fighting for anything because everything else in your life is just peachy king perfect, you need to fight for somebody else. They need your strength. They need to be encouraged. They need to know how that they can overcome. Say, I am a conqueror. But I love the new covenant. Because the new covenant says, I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer. Say, I am a conqueror. See, in order to be an overcomer, you have to be a conqueror. You, don't, you just don't leapfrog the system to overcomer. Okay? We, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. If you don't got a word of your testimony, then you're not an overcomer yet. Jesus did it. He made the path for you, but you can't live in overcoming until you have a testimony. So you've got to conquer some things. You've got to be victorious. You've got to be a conqueror to become an overcomer. Because a conqueror, it's one thing to win one battle. But that's not victory. You haven't won the war. But you need to be a conqueror. So the next final stage of or level of recovery is being a champion. Because after you conquer, you're a champion. A champion is someone who's conquered many times. A champion is someone who says, I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer. It's one thing to have one knockout punch and you get the belt. And you can brag about that and it can go into, the, into your history that you knocked out somebody. But if that belt was taken the very next fight you fought and you no longer were a champion, you were a conqueror, but you were not an overcomer. I said you were a conqueror, but you were not an overcomer. Overcomers have a lifestyle of conquering. It's not just a one-time thing. It's a lifestyle. It's a habit. And overcomers, champions, can walk into other people's uh, lives in relationship and say, you know what? I'm an encourager to you because I'm already a champion. I'm living. I know what it's like to fight enemy after enemy after enemy after enemy. I'm a champion. I know what it feels like. So let me help you because you've won one battle, but you've lost 20. Let me help you win the other 19. That's what champions do. Champions take somebody and say, let me coach you on how you can be a champion as well. 
Because we're not just, it's not just one champion and everybody else is just a peasant out there. No, in the kingdom, we're all champions because of what Christ did on the cross. In the kingdom, we live a life, an overcoming life because of the finished works of the cross. If it weren't for the finished works of the cross, we'd all be battling every day. We'd be battling every day. It'd get exhausting. But you can live a lifestyle of an overcomer. But you don't just show up there. You got to go through this le- these levels. You got to go through this process so that you can live the life of a champion. Now, now I want to show you in this final scripture before I close what a champion mentality really is. Because I ended with the nice part of the scripture. Feet on the neck of the enemy. And Joshua had all of his men feel the feeling of a conqueror. But he's about to show them what a champion looks like. Now, I need you to be with me here because I'm going to end this. But you all way too, uh, way too quiet. Or maybe not quiet. Way too, uh, you know, you're like in, a, in, a, in an aquarium. What's that called? Uh, you know, where you go through the, the zoo and you're looking at something that's in the zoo? The exhibit, yeah. I feel like I'm on exhibit. I feel like you're watching me overcome. You're watching the lion eat. You know, you're like, oh, look, he's eating the gazelle right there. But I need you to be the lion right here. You just can't watch me. You got to participate in this because this is where you're going. So I want to show you what a champion does. Verse 26, the very next verse. And afterward... Foots on the neck. Foots on the neck. And afterward, Joshua struck them and put them to death. Now, you would think that was enough. He, he struck them and put them to death. Didn't he do his job? Like, that was the job. The kings were the trouble. He controlled them. He won the battle. Then he confronted the kings, and he put them to death. You would have thought, that's the end of the story. But no. Because Joshua is a champion. Joshua is not just about conquering something. He's about overcoming the situation. And he hanged them there on five trees. And they hung on the trees until evening. But the time of going down to the sun, Joshua commanded, and they took them down from the trees, and they threw them into the cave where they had hidden themselves. And they set large stones against the mouth of the cave, which remain to this very day. It wasn't enough for Joshua just to kill him. He had to make an example of them. He had to hang their bodies up. And I know that's gruesome. He had to hang their bodies up. Why did he do that? Because every other enemy in town that was within an eye shot could see what would happen to you if you chose to fight Israel. Champions are overcomers. What they do is they put the enemy on notice and they say, oh, no devil, you've won this battle with me way too long. But let me tell you something. I not only have won this thing, I'm an overcomer and I will whoop your rear end anytime you show up on my property. I'm going to put you on notice. I'm going to put you on display. After all, what did Jesus do on the cross? The scripture says that he put on display. He stripped the powers of darkness. When he was, he was stretched out on the cross, he put the enemy on display and he stripped them of all their power. He stripped the devil naked. 
He put them on display, and that's exactly what a champion does. He strips down the enemy, and he says, uh-uh, and if you even think of coming here again, if you even think of coming here on this field again, you're going to look just like this king. It's time to stop giving the enemy credit. It's time to stop talking about you, what you're facing as if it's more powerful than the name of Jesus. Oh, she was diagnosed with what? Oh, my God. Well, well when you do that moment, you've just said that that name is actually more powerful than this name. I know it's a shock to your soul. I know it's a shock to your emotions. But you've got to learn to live as a champion and say, you know what? I can't just have my foot on it. i got to kill it. And then I'm going to put it on notice that this thing ain't ever going to come back to my family ever again. If you attack one of us, you attack all of us. You can't come into this church like that anymore. Hello? If one of us got raped by the enemy we got to stand up to him and say you can't do that anymore not here you did it one time that's the last time you're going to show your face in here we're going to display we're going to display you on the cross and say you have no power anymore because we will pursue we will overtake we will recover all would you stand please